We are again so thankful to see each one here this morning. If you have your Bibles, we're going to turn to the book of Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. And we certainly desire your prayers as we look to God's Word and pray that it could be a blessing, encouragement to us. I guess sometimes with subjects you deal with, you think, well, is this for uh, this group of people or that group of people or an older one, a young one? I know God's got His purpose. I know when we were studying these things that our thought was really more towards young people than it was maybe the older, but I know how God can work and bless and touch each one of our hearts. Before we begin reading in verse 20 of the book of Philippians chapter 1, we do want to look to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, as we come to you this day, Father, we're so thankful for the many wonderful things that you've done for us. Father, you've been so good to us, so much better than we deserve. And Father, we pray that you would lead, guide, and direct in the service. Father, you know the need of the hour better than we do. And Father, we pray that we'd preach your message, accomplish your will, that those that are lost could see their need of Jesus, and we that are saved could see our need to live for you and serve you in this life, that your name could be honored and glorified. For Father, we ask all this in the name of Jesus, for he is worthy. Amen. In Philippians chapter 1, Verse 20, he says, According to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet What I shall choose, I would not. For I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith, that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you, or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, and in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition but to you of salvation and that of God. For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which ye saw in me, and now here to be in me. Now, you know, he's preaching of some things. He's in bonds at this time. He's in prison. Of course, that's actually helped some of the people in the church that they're actually stronger in the faith and more bold to preach the gospel. They saw his boldness and and it moved them to have more confidence in sharing the gospel, which certainly needs to be encouraged. But yet as we look through here, you know, he talks about the expectation, the hope that he has in Christ. And he made the statement in verse 21, he says, For to me to live is Christ and die is gain. He went on to say that he was in a strait betwixt two. And I think all of us that are saved have kind of dealt with those feelings before. Uh, You know, to go be with the Lord is far better. 
It's far better to be with the Lord. I mean, we deal with sin in this world every day. We deal with sickness, ailments. I mean, you know, normally our prayer request is somebody's sick, somebody's, you know, lost a loved one, some, uh, somebody's having surgery, or somebody's had something devastating happen to them, and that's, that's kind of the things that we deal with. We kind of look forward to the day where we don't have to deal with those things anymore. But yet we also know, as Paul said, you know, while I'm here, God's got me, for me a work to do. And God's got a purpose in me being here. And he said to abide in the flesh is actually more needful for you. He said, you know, I'm here to preach the gospel. I'm here to stand with the gospel. As long as God wants me to do that, that that's what I'm going to do. Uh, but yet in all the persecution and all the trials of his faith and all the things of even facing death, he's... He got to the place where death really wasn't an issue with him. And the reason it wasn't is because he looked to the fact that he had faith in God. He had faith that God could take control of things. He had faith that when he died, he had a better place to go. And so whatever God had for him to do, he was just content to do it, thankful to do it, really. And just ready to abide in the work of God. And he even tells the church, you know, I want to come and be with you, uh, but he lets them know, but if I can't come, I want to hear that you're serving God. And he even lets them know that when we're terrified by our adversaries, and a lot of Christians don't understand that statement in our day and time, at least here in America, uh, because we don't face adversaries that are trying to kill us. Uh, most Christians in America have not even been slapped or punched for the gospel, let alone face death for it. And because of that, you know, it's hard for us to really understand all that's being said here. But he's getting across the fact that we're not to be terrified by their threats. We're not to be terrified by what man can do to us. We're to be encouraged by God. In fact, if we show that we're afraid of what this world might do to us, he said it's an evident token of perdition. The word perdition means condemnation, doesn't it? Eternal perishment. And he's looking at it here and he's say, saying, you know, to the world, if we act scared, it makes them say, well, there's nothing to that faith that they have. They, they really don't believe because, look, they're, they're just so focused on trying to live and they're so focused on, you know, being safe and staying alive and doing all these other things. And listen, I, I know the Bible teaches us we're not to foolishly tempt the Lord thy God. Listen, it would be dumb for me to say, listen, I want to be parachuted right in amongst the Taliban and I want to start preaching the gospel to them. Well, I'm asking to be shot. I'm asking to be killed. Now, if God wanted me to do that, it would be one thing, but me trying to, trying to show off or me trying to just show how strong I am in faith or something to this world, that's foolishly tempting God. Unless God's in it, you know, I even think about how God knew that the people of the East, the Asians, they wouldn't receive the Word of God in Paul's day. Paul had a desire. He said, we're just going to go over here, keep going to the East, and we're going to preach the gospel. And the Holy Spirit said, no, you're not. That's not where I want you to go. And no doubt a lot of that is, is God had a work for him to do, and if he had went there, he wasn't coming back. They were going to kill him if he went there and preached. And God knew that. Now, while they needed to hear the gospel, and while God might have sent somebody else later to go share the gospel with them, to Paul he said, that's not your time right now. That's not the place I want you to go. And I'll say this on Paul's behalf. 
He didn't foolishly tempt God, did he? He didn't say, well, I'm going anyway. They need to hear it, I'm going anyway. That's not what he did. He said, God, what do you want me to do? And he went where the Holy Spirit led him. He didn't foolishly tempt God. And all the cities and all the places he went, he was stoned and left for dead. He was beaten at least twice. He spent a day and the night in the deep, according to the Scriptures. And all that he faced and went through, yet in all that, he knew that he was doing the will of God and had comfort about him. He wasn't foolishly tempting him. Listen, there's some people who go out and try to say, well, I'll show you how strong my faith is. I'll go and jump off this bridge. I'll go and jump off this building. That's not showing faith. That's showing foolishness. But as God leads us and guides us in life in the directions that we need to go, He might lead us into some places that's scary. I'll say this, there are Christians in Afghanistan. You know that God wanted them to be there? There's some who are even going to die for the gospel. Some already have. And not just in Afghanistan. You can go to Uganda. You can go to Somalia. You can go to other places in the world. Iran, Iraq, Saudi Arabia. There's places where people preach the gospel and they suffer heavy persecution for it, even death. Now, God desiring them to be there and they standing boldly with the God is exactly where they need to be. And it might be that God leads us down a street even here locally and we go, God, I don't know about this street. I don't know about carrying the gospel down here. And God might say, don't worry, I'm with you. Go ahead. And let me get across this part too. Do you know that when Stephen preached the gospel that got him stoned, that it was the will of God that he preached the gospel where he did? Some Christians think, well, if I'm doing what God wants, I'll never have to suffer anything. That's not the truth. But I can tell you this, you can also be foolish with the gospel and mess with God's desire and His plans for your life. And it takes the Spirit of God to lead. Listen, I, I wouldn't be able to tell somebody. If somebody came up and told me, God's leading me to go to... I ran to share the gospel with people. Do you know that wouldn't be my place to tell them to go or not? It wouldn't be my place to even lead them in any way, shape, form, or fashion one way or the other. All I could do for them is say, pray about it, make sure God's in it, and if He is, I'm praying for you. And any way we can help you and encourage you, we want to do it. But I have no idea what the Holy Spirit's going to lead somebody to do. If somebody called me up and maybe a minister or a missionary in, in the work and they called me up and said, listen, God's burdened me to go to the south side of Chicago and share the gospel there. Sometimes that place seems about as bad as being in Afghanistan. I know it's not. But it seems that way from perception. But if somebody said, listen, I feel led to go and preach the gospel in the south side of Chicago. If I'm not careful, I might say, well, I'm thankful it's him and not me. I think sometimes a lot of people don't want to pray even for the Lord to send more laborers into the field because they're they're afraid that God might call them. I think there was a missionary years ago in an association meeting that made the statement. He said, Lord, Lord, send more laborers into the field. And he said, I'm kind of afraid to pray that because I'm afraid he might send me.
I'll say this. The span of our life is not important. There's a lot of people, and if you don't believe it, just go to your local grocery store, look around and pay attention to some of the things going on, and my goodness, there is a multi-billion dollar business that is about, we got to get every piece of year that we can get on us. Don't eat bacon, you'll last longer. Don't eat hot dogs, you'll last longer. I hear people having these conversations all the time. You got to exercise, you got to do this. Listen, I'm not against exercise. I'm not against good good dietary habits and things of that nature. I, I'm not against any of those things. Never want to come come across being that way. But how long I live down here is not my purpose. Now, do I want to go out and be foolish with that? Listen, I'm not going down to Kentucky Fried Chicken and getting me two buckets full of chicken and chowing down and saying, well, God's going to take me when He's going to take me. No, I'm trying to speed up the process if I'm doing that. i got to use some wisdom. But I can tell you this. God can take me whenever He's ready. And He knows the time and the place of our departure if we're in His will. I know there's things we can do to shorten our time here. There's plenty of Scripture on that. There's even things we can do to lengthen our time here according to Scripture. But what you want to do is serve God. And what you see the Apostle Paul getting across here is he said, listen, I want to go be with the Lord, but when He's ready for me, that's when I'll go. He didn't know when that time was. He didn't know if he'd get to come back and be with the church of Philippi or whether he'd be absent and be in prison somewhere. He knew that even when he went to Jerusalem, he said, I don't know what abides me there. I know that bonds and afflictions await me anywhere I go. But he told the elders at Ephesus, he said, but even if it's death, he said, those things don't move me. There's a work that God has for me to do in my life. And whether God wants me to do that work and it lasts five years or whether He wants it to last 20 years or 50 years or however long it is, whatever work it is, as long as we've accomplished what God desires for us in our life, we've done good. And sadly, there's a lot of Christians that have gotten more worldly wisdom about them than godly wisdom when it comes to these things. Listen, there's sometimes when people say, listen, don't go over here. It, it, you might get hurt. Well, listen, if it's the Holy Spirit leading to go somewhere, then there's a purpose in it. There's a reason for it. Now, if it's just me trying to do something, that's a different subject. If we're trying to be hard-headed and go against the will of God, that would be one thing. But if we're in the will of God, being led to the Spirit of God, what do we got to worry about? There's so many people that are concerned, oh, but I gotta live to a ripe old age. What's a ripe old age anyway? You go back a hundred, two hundred years. People my age would be considered well, that's some of the older people. I know people live live long and had long lives, but there was a lot of people dead by the time they got my age, and I feel like I'm a pretty young man. There was a time when the average lifespan wasn't much more than what I am now. 
That was just the normal thing. And trust me, I, I don't want to. I, I don't want to seek to go be with the Lord any quicker than He wants me to be there. I want to be with the Lord. I want to be with Him, and I'm ready whenever He's ready. But I can tell you this: I'm not being foolish and trying to speed up the process either. What we've got to do as God's people is get more focused on what God wants us to do than all these other things that human beings are concerned about. It's not a sin to get old. It's not a sin even to die young. Listen, there's some people who never got married, never had children or anything else, died on battlefields across this world, and I sure am thankful for their sacrifice. And I'm thankful for ones who would still sacrifice to keep others free and to say, listen, i got a work to do. There's something that God's leading me to do in my life. There's something that God wants me to do. Listen, if that's what God wants for somebody's life, I'd hope they'd be surrendered to it. It'd be a hard thing to do, but... I'm thankful that there's people that have been willing to do that over the years. We wouldn't have the freedoms we have today. I'll say this, going beyond that, we wouldn't have the churches we have today if there wasn't people like that. There's many a Christian that died young. There's many people that have died for the gospel, millions of them over the years, just sharing the gospel with others. But do you know if they weren't willing to share that gospel and suffer and die, we wouldn't have what we have today. And yet a lot of Christians today have a hard time even praying to God, even serving God. Sometimes people have problems even coming to church. And I'm not talking about physical ailments, I'm talking about just the willingness to go. Our heart needs to be set on God and not on things of the earth. And because a lot of times our mind gets set on the wrong place and on the wrong things, we think, well, i got to do this to keep myself safe so I can live a little bit longer. One day I'm going to go off into eternity, and I don't think adding a few years down here or whatever it might be is going to make the big difference. It's whether I raise my children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. It's whether I love my wife. It's whether I fulfilled the work that God had for me to do. If I can do that, it doesn't matter what time that God decides that I'm going. Listen, I'm human like anybody else. I won't lie to you. I'd love to see my children grow up and get married. I'd love to see it. I look forward to it if that's the Lord's will. I'd love to see some grandchildren. I'd love to be able to spoil them and then hand them back to the parents. You know, kind of like my parents do with mine. Love to have that opportunity. Love to enjoy those things. There's a lot of things that I would love to enjoy as far as self. But is any of that more important than the gospel? And the answer to that is no. Because even if I get to see my children marry and get to do other things, but I didn't leave them a good example of following Christ... It's been more harm to them than good. 
And we need to teach the next generation that there are things more important than just living. There's a lot of people in this world, all they want to do is make the next day and the next day and the next day. We just want to keep on going. There are things more important than just taking a breath. You know, years ago, our, my dad's got a thing, I think when he was um, went in to be an officer. He's got a little plaque on his wall and it has a little speech. I forget who made the speech, who has the saying, but the man made the statement uh, about living and life. He talked about how war was an ugly and awful thing, but then he said there was something more ugly than war. And he said that was a man that had nothing in his life that was worth dying for. I tell you what, if we don't teach that to the next generation, they're going to have some miserable lives. There are things worth dying for. There are things worth giving your own life for. I've made the statement before, I refused to do a marriage one time because I asked a young man, I asked this to any young man that comes and, you know, they're wanting to get married and want me to do the ceremony. I always ask, I say, I turn to the men, I say, what are you going to do if somebody breaks into your house? I feel like that's a simple question. I feel like just nature itself should take over and there should be no question somebody comes through me before they touch my wife or my kids. That that should be a very simple thing. Man can't answer that. I, I can't in good conscience perform the wedding. Because if he doesn't say it's worth me giving my life so that my wife and children live, that's not much of a foundation to build upon. He might never have to do that. That that might never be asked of him, but he should have the willingness to say, I stand between somebody trying to harm my, my wife and my children. Or to be a natural thing that he says there are things more important than me living. You know, we used to believe in that. You go back and study events like the Titanic. Who got off the boat first? Women and children. Why was that? Because it's the natural order of thing that we as men say, we sacrifice our lives for you. We're to follow the example that is set in Christ. Christ is the head of the man. Man is the head of the wife. There should be a trickle-down effect. I think a mother should be willing to die for her children. I think those things should be natural within them. Of course, we have it reversed in our society. We so want our careers and our life that abortion is uplifted and, and so many are willing to kill their own children so that they can advance their careers and other things. Such a perversion without natural affection, without anything natural. That, that is so not right. My goodness, I've been around dogs that would bite you if you tried to harm their puppies. It's so unnatural to say I could kill my own child just to advance myself. See, we should have the opposite of opinion. We should be willing for our backs to be hurt, (laughs) for our bodies to be worn out. You know, as you get older, you get to see some things. I I, I come from a working family. I know most of y'all probably do too. And I've lived to the point that my papa's getting near 90 years old and his body just ain't what it was. I've seen him work when I was young. I've worked with him. I've seen him do all kinds of things, but his body won't do that anymore. 
But you know what? He's got a home that he's lived in. He'd raised four kids. With all that hard work that he did, he sacrificed for his family. You know, I, I get to see, even as my dad's getting older over, over the past few years even, his body ain't the same as it used to be. I've seen my dad do a lot of things over the years. His body ain't what he used to be. Jumping out of airplanes and construction work and all the things. Listen, it's taking a toll on his back, on his bones. I don't think if you had asked him, he'd regret a single bit of it. Probably if he'd had the opportunity, he'd go back and do it all over again. You know why? You sacrifice for your family. It's just natural. It's what you should do. Do you know that the Bible teaches us as God's people that we give ourselves for one another? And sometimes people say, yeah, I'm willing to die for my brother or sister in Christ. But do you know God actually called us to be a living sacrifice unto Him? Now Paul lived for the Lord. He did. He also died for Him. He lived for the church. He also died for it. For the gospel. He was stoned. He was beaten. You know what he called all that? He said these are just light afflictions. Light afflictions. You know why? Seeing those people saved, seeing people grow in the Lord was more important than his own life. It needs to be that way with us. It needs to be that way within our daily lives. There's things that I'd like to do that I may never get to do. There's things that I'd like to do on a daily basis. And sometimes I'm going, yeah, but this isn't edifying. This isn't what I need to do. There's times when I have to lay down what I want so that I can train my children up. There's times even when I'm tired that I have to go in and teach them a lesson on something. To be willing to give ourselves, to sacrifice. And some people say, oh, but if I didn't worry as much, if I didn't have the stress and all these other things, I might live longer. I tell you what, it's a lot better to have the stress of children than not have it. There's a lot of worries I have for my children and concerns about their life. There's a lot of that a parent has. I wouldn't trade those worries for nothing. There's a lot of things I can worry about with my wife sometimes and thinking, well, what if I die at this age? What if this happens? What if that's ha- What's she going to do? I think that's natural that we try to plan and worry about those things. And when I say worry, I'm not talking about just really sit down and really get overburdened. I'm saying just have a concern about it. Have these things that are upon your heart. There are times we have to consider things. A lot of times people say, you know, it'd be a lot easier if you didn't get married. It's a lot easier if you don't have kids. I'll say this, it ain't as fulfilling. I've even had people since I've been preaching, they said, you know, there's careers that you could have had that would have paid you more money or would have done this or would have given you less headaches and all this other stuff. And I go, I wouldn't change it for the world. And we've got to get across to the next generation that it's worth sacrificing to share the gospel. It's worth sacrificing for our families. It's worth making the necessary sacrifices to carry the gospel for the next generation.
You say, well, the Lord might come before then. We don't know when the Lord's coming. And He never taught us to sit back and do nothing and say, well, we're waiting on the Lord to come. In fact, He rebuked people that did that. He said when He returns, you know what He wanted to find us doing? He wanted to find us laboring for Him. Sacrificing, making those steps to continue to share the gospel, to proclaim it to a lost and dying world, and to set that example before our own families. We need to do that. Sometimes people are saying, well, you know, I don't know if God would ever send somebody to South Chicago. Well, I tell you what, He certainly sent them to Jerusalem. They killed Christians there, didn't they? He sent them to Asia, they killed Christians there, didn't they? Sent them to Africa, they killed Christians there, didn't they? He sent them to Europe and they killed Christians there. He even sent missionaries over here in America. And whether we like to study our own history, even before the foundation of our nation, we killed Christians here too. It'd be a shame. Even not too long ago, we had missionaries that could tell you stories of having hot water, boiling water poured on them for preaching the gospel somewhere. Not long ago. Not long ago, you could hear of missionaries talking about having a shotgun put in their face for preaching the gospel. And if we're not careful, we'll get so safe with the gospel that we don't share it with anybody. That's not what God wants for us. He knew that it was more needful for Him that He abide in the flesh right now. But He also knew it was more needful to carry the gospel to the Romans, to the emperors, to all those rulers in high places that He even died for sharing the gospel with Felix and Agrippa and others. We need to have the courage to stand up as God's people and say, I know my faith. I know what I have beyond this world and there's nothing man can terrify me with that's going to make me stop sharing the gospel. There's nothing that men is going to do that will make them think that I'm scared of death or scared of meeting my Maker, that I'm afraid of perdition. I have no perdition waiting on me because of Christ. I have no reason to fear it. We have to have courage as God's people. And we need to raise up good missionaries, good families, and good people that will stand being unafraid. And again, I don't teach people to be foolish. That's not taught in Scripture. I don't believe in foolishly tempting the Lord our God. But I believe in being prayerful. I believe in being led of the Word of God and led of the Holy Spirit of God and us carrying out the Great Commission to go into all the world and to proclaim the Word of God. And we need to make sure that we get that across to the next generation. You know something that I've seen that's so sad, and I'll close with this. I've seen people... Even tell their children, oh, you don't want to be a preacher or a preacher's wife. What a sad thing for any person that actually says they believe the gospel to say. I don't know how they can say it. 
Well, what if your child goes over here and preaches the gospel? They might live poor. They might live just a meek and humble life. Well, that's good. That's kind of what the Lord set the example with. I don't see where that's a bad thing. Well, they could make more money. They could do more things. If I teach my children that possessions mean everything in life, I have failed them. There are so many more things that are more valuable than possessions. There are things more valuable than even the breath of their life. And if they don't see that, we have failed to train them up in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. They may never have to face death. They may never have to face the persecution. They may never have to go through what some others go through. But we need to teach them how to face those things and how to face it with the grace of God, with the courage of God, with the boldness of God, standing upon the truth, being unafraid to uphold the gospel to a lost and dying world. We've got people all around us that are lost. How many people did you pass this morning that didn't come to church anywhere? You could have probably filled up ten buildings with just the amount of people we pass every day that never come to church, never been invited. They might look a little rough too. But it's our job to share the gospel with them. But they might not like us. They might hit us. There's other things they might do. We cannot accomplish the will of God with fear. We have to accomplish it by faith. And we need to teach the next generation that that's how they need to live in life. For all I know, listen, there could be another missionary sitting here today. I don't know who God will call, who God will burden. There could be a minister. There could be a deacon. There could be somebody that has a great ministry work to do for God. I have no idea. That's not mine. That's God's calling. But if we don't train them right, we're not helping them. We're failing them. If we train them how to make money and be successful in the world, be accepted in the world, and all these other things, and we fail to teach them the faith of Christ, We've done them a great injustice because they need to know that there are more important things than how long we live or even the health that we have in our bodies. Or some people say, oh, I want to be 100 years old and be able to run a marathon or something. (laughs) I don't know if I'll see 100. I doubt I will. But if I do, I hope people say, I tell you what, his body is worn out from going. His hip hurts. His back hurts. His arms hurt. But I tell you what, he worked. That would be a far better statement to be made. And we need to teach that to those that follow us. This is the burden that God has placed upon our heart. If you'd have anything upon your heart, we'd invite you to come while I have a verse of a song.